Hello and welcome to Authorise, the podcast where writers speak. My name is Kevin Hillier and a double banger for you in this particular episode of Authorise. We have two authors. One uh, is one of the newest and freshest voices uh, in Australian literature uh, and uh, a couple of books that uh, she has just released that we'll tell you all about. Lauren Jackson is her name. No, not the basketballer. This is Lauren Jackson who has come uh, via a different path uh, than the traditional way of getting into publishing. It's the the new way I think a, a lot of authors are going to be uh, getting into publishing, and Lauren will explain that to us very shortly. And the other author I have for you is a, a very well-known voice in Australian broadcasting and uh, also in uh, print media, in television media, uh, in radio, and uh, now with his 19th book, Darren Hinch is my other guest on Authorised to talk about his new book called Short Stories. All thanks, of course, to CSCG. It's that time of the year, uh, round you get to the end of the year and you start to think about all the things you've done during the year and what you've achieved and what you want to achieve in the in the new year uh, might be uh, an idea to put your finances in that picture as well and when you want to talk about your finances and work out where you've been and where you want to be headed talk to my friends at CSCG because they are the people to talk to uh, it's as simple as picking up the phone double line seven four eight triple three or jump on the website CSCG .com.au, whether it's accounting, whether it's uh, life insurance, whether it's superannuation, whether it's business planning, they've got people, experts in the field in all those areas and much, much more. So give them a call or jump on the website and uh, get in touch with them. Lauren Jackson's our first guest uh, on this edition of Authorised. Lauren has two new books uh, just been released. Uh, is already working on another one, but uh, Meant to Be and Die for You are the two books we're talking to Lauren about. We're also talking about the different non-traditional way that she's come to be an author. Lauren Jackson, thank you for joining me on the Authorised Podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, one of the new generation writers, I guess, because you came to this in a, in a, a, a different way to the way traditional uh, writers have come to it. T- tell us about how, how this started for you back in your teens. Yep. Um, so I first started writing um, on a website called Wattpad where people can um, basically read your work um, and comment on it. So I basically just started writing books on there because I already had a bunch of books written um, just for fun. And when I went on the website, I realized, you know, anyone could write on there. And there were lots of people about my age writing similar things. So I just had to go on there. And then once I started doing that, you know, people started reading it um, and then they kept asking for like, what's next? And basically I just kept writing and realized I absolutely loved it and Mm. wanted to do something with it. So I decided to write a book offline and I self-published it last year. There's a big jump from writing stories and writing and writing a book even, uh, which only your mum and your dad and your friends see and, and they're very kind to you, but then to jump onto social media and to put it out there and social media can be a, you know, a very nasty place to be. Uh, how, how did that kind of uh, work for you in the initial stages? Was that a shock? I think um, when I first started writing, I just had such positive feedback that that really encouraged me to keep going and um, because you know I loved it so much and then seeing other people enjoying it you know just really drove me to keep going. Um, I think the first time that I realized that like when I published my book then there were um, a lot of like you know started seeing reviews that obviously weren't as like kind as the other ones and things like that and that's when it was a little bit of a like a difference from oh I'm actually like writing a book that is in the proper real world now and that was a bit scary like I do feel very vulnerable um once it was out but um you know you just have to take things with an open mind and not take it too seriously like 
I could um, read a book and think it's the best book ever and you might read it and think it's the worst one you've ever read. It's all about interpretation and um, and I think that's the fun part of reading a book is that everyone gets something different from it. Authors over the years have agonised over, you know, the reviews they get and, and, and it takes forever or it used to take forever to get that kind of uh, feedback. Uh, instant feedback, is, there, is that something that you thrive on? In a way, I think that is um, a really encouraging thing when people first just start reading it and reaching out and making that effort to let you know what they thought of it and things like that. Like, I think it just helps give you that motivation to keep going. Um, so, yeah, I do think feedback is very important. Your your first uh, sort of a foray into the into the world of publishing, you, you self published it, and then it then then it went off its tree virally, and uh, you know millions upon millions of people looking at it and all that. How, how did that feel? Did that feel real to you? Um, I think it was a bit weird <laughs> at first because, like, <laughs> you know, people would I'd come across these videos and people were talking, and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. This book, and then like my book would be what they were talking about, and I was, and sometimes it was a bit shocking because. I considered myself as a reader, you know, sometimes it's hard to realise that I actually am a writer now as well. So, you know, like it's just a completely different um, part of the world now um, being an author, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. We consume books in a, in a totally different way now. We, we the, the thought of having a book in your hand is not necessarily how it is. You can read it on a tablet, you can listen to it uh, and, and do it that way. Does that change the way you write? Have you, have you, are you a different sort of writer because of the way that we now consume our, uh, our content? I think it definitely impacts it. Um, as someone, I like read a lot of um, books on my Kindle and I listen to a lot of books. And I do consider that now, which um, when I would first write, I never thought of that side of things. But now when I write, I always, like, I think, how does this sound and, and how will this look on screen and things like that, whereas I never had done that before until I'd kind of wrote a book and published it and then went through that whole process. Um, so, yeah, it definitely has changed the way I might word or go about things. So it's almost a style guide now as to as to the different formats that the, that the book comes up on as opposed to it's just a whole lot of words on a page and it's in the middle of, a, you know, a hard or a soft uh, a cover and you just pick it up and flip through it. Yeah, basically. So, you know, it used to be a lot more just kind of simple and plain, whereas now it's, you know, there's all different formatting and you can have like pictures in the books and all sorts of things and QR codes. And yeah, it's definitely, um, it's just evolving so rapidly the way we um, consume books. And yeah, it's pretty awesome. You mentioned those things like QR codes in the, in the middle of books and, and things like that. That allows you to be interactive with the uh, with the person who's reading the book. Is that something that that you've sort of delved into in any great degree so far? Um, not so much throughout the book, um, but when you first open it, you, um, I've got like a playlist that I created for myself that when I was like writing the book, I would listen to it and it helped me kind of like get in the zone. And then I shared that playlist and you can um, like hover your phone over it and it takes you directly to my um, my Spotify where I've got it. Yeah. And I think that could just be like a fun way of people seeing like, you know, getting the vibe of the book and, you know, what I was listening to when I wrote it and things like that. I think it's just like a fun part of it um, and a lot of authors are doing that now. Um, that that uh, that brings into into play the the audio part of it as well. Um, what 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 is the writing process for you? You mentioned uh, you know you listen to music. Do you, do you sit down every day and write, or do you have a, a time? Or do you clock in like a, like it's a job, or how how do you uh, work your creative process? 
I try to write um, on my days off. So the days that I work, my normal day job is a bit hard because I'm pretty much gone all day. Um, and sometimes I just have, don't have any brain power left to write. Although I do try to at least get on there and read through something that I've written just so I feel like I'm doing something. But on my like rostered days off, I go out and I'll like walk my dog and have breakfast and get all that kind of stuff out of the way. And then I like to just sit down and try to do a couple of hours of just writing. And if I don't feel like I'm in the mood for writing, I make myself read back through everything and try to edit and all that kind of stuff. So I try to work on it uh, at least three times a week. You, you still work in dentistry. Uh, is that something you want to you want to get away from and eventually just sit down and write books all day? I would absolutely love that, but in this economy, it's a little bit tricky. <laughs> so I'm just trying to do best of both worlds. Yeah, the, there's a perception that that writer, once you get published, that writers make an enormous amount of money, and that is, it's such a false per, per, perception of, of what the reality of, of being a being an author in the, in this country and probably you know worldwide is. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think people forget that you know there's not a lot. To it. It's not like, you know, you're going to a day job where you're getting that weekly wage and things like that. If, if anything, you, you can go months and months without earning an income and it can all come in at one time and, and things like that. So it's definitely um, trickier to navigate than having a, a standard day job. Meant to be, and Meant to Be took you, what, about a year to write? Yeah, about a year. Um, but again, I wasn't working on that every day because um, I, I was working so much then um, I would only get to do little bits here and there. I actually got most of it done um, because my work shut down for six weeks through COVID. Um, And then I basically, I wrote almost more than half in that six weeks because I just, I was, you know, not really allowed out of the house. So um, I just basically just sat down and I wrote and it kind of just took off then. One of the very few upsides of the uh, worldwide pandemic was that we actually uh, did do some things that we've been putting off for a long time. And if uh, if one exactly. of them, if one of them was meant to be, then that's a good thing. Die for you? Did that? Yeah. Was that was that a book that came um, quickly to you? Uh, uh, it's the start of a, a series, uh, a Red Thorn series. Um, tell us about how how that kind of came uh, came together. So that one um, I wrote actually very quickly, the quickest book I've ever written. Um, So basically I was actually trying to find um, a vampire romance because I used to be, you know, so into them when I was in high school and I couldn't find one that was kind of catering to the needs of me being an adult reader. Um, And then I was just, you know, kept thinking about all these ideas and I'm like, oh, that could be cool if that happened. And and then I thought, well, even though it's very different to what I've written before, you know, I might just have a go at it and see how... Um, you know, if I start writing it, see what comes of it. And I pretty much just, I did it in like three or four months. Like I just really smashed it out. And, and then um, I have a book club. So I would talk to them over FaceTime with my ideas and we'd all kind of um, come up with things together. And then I would write a bit and I'd share it with them. And um, it was like a really joint progress. Um, and yeah, it made such a difference having someone to talk to about it. Cause with meant to be, I kind of just did it all myself, but with die for you, I was sending it to friends and getting feedback and, and I think that really helped because I just had so many ideas and I knew kind of what I wanted to have at the start and the end and it all just came together very quickly. Lauren, do you, do you, do you jot all your ideas down? Do you, do you, or how, do you, how do you kind of keep a, a track of, uh, of how much your, your head is spinning when you're inside a story? So generally um, I have a notebook where I write a lot of things like character descriptions and, and then I usually just do like a dot point of all the things that need to happen as a book and I try to figure out when it's going to happen. Um, and then, you know, if I have ideas when I'm outside of the house, you know, because a lot of the time I'll be at work and I'll be doing something and an idea struck. So I just 
will write it on my notes and things like that, and then I transfer that into the notebook when I get home. Um, but yeah, if I don't write things down, it's really easy to get confused with the details and forget things, especially when there's a lot of characters involved in the story. So yeah, I definitely have to go back to my notes all the time. Is is there an off button for you for, you know, do you, do you walk into the dentist and, and turn it off or do, does, is that something that you can't do? No, I don't do that very well. <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I do find that I daydream a lot. Like, you know, even sometimes when I'm in conversation, like, I just kind of zone out because I'll be thinking about something and people will be like, oh, she's off again. Like, you know, because I just, I just <laughs> get so many ideas. And I mainly do it when I'm driving. Like, yeah. I'll get to work and I can't even remember how I got to work because I've been like so consumed with like, you know, daydreaming about ideas and, and things like that. Uh, but my work is really insanely busy. So it kind of forces me to switch off. Um, but yeah, on the slower days, I certainly do um, daydream a lot. <laughs> um, a, a Red Thorn novel die for you. So where where is this going, and and how how big is this in in your mind at the moment, or in your planning stages for this as a series? It keeps changing um, as I write. So I'm working on the sequel at the moment. So. The second book um, is not the main characters that are in the first book. It's um, someone else that you meet. So each book will be um, centred in that world, but they're going to be different characters. And at this stage, I'm thinking there's going to be three. I mean, that's ambitious, but it's obviously something that's already, uh, you know, sparking uh, the, the creative juices in you. Yeah, um, I've never really written a series before because I've always been a bit scared that, you know, I'd release the first book and then kind of have no motivation for the second one. Um, But, you know, in this world, it's just the possibilities are endless and so many things keep coming to mind. So uh, I was pretty confident that I'd be able to see this one through. Is it still a thrill to have the actual physical book in your hands? A a lot of authors talk about it. I know when I I wrote my book, it was like, oh, when I got it in my hand, it was like, uh, you know, it was like having a baby or something, I think, I I guess, as close as I'll ever get. Um, Is is that a thrill for you when when the box of books arrived? Yeah, because I um, they actually turned up unexpectedly, um, and when I opened it, like I just I just could not believe that I was seeing it. Like especially, um, you know, with Die for You, it all happened quite quickly. Like from when I actually had the idea to when I wrote it and was sharing it with my friends to actually getting the book, it was all in you know like a less than a year. So it was when I was holding it, I just had a bit of a surreal moment. Like, how am I holding this in my hand when it was just not even a real thing? It was just in my mind like months ago. Like, yeah, it's definitely a crazy feeling. I don't think that would ever get old, holding huh. your own book. The, um, the, I mean, you self-published. You, were, you started with, the, you know, obviously working on, on the internet and do, doing it through Wattpad, then, then to self-publish and then to have, you know, a major book company pick you up and pick up your books. Uh, that process, uh, that, has that been a, a, a thrill? Has that been like a like a bit of a, a surreal experience for you in many ways? Yeah, I um I was very shocked when it happened. So obviously, I'd always wanted to go um like with a publishing house, but most of them um you couldn't either submit to or or like there was like months wait um or they wouldn't um accept manuscripts without an agent, which I didn't have, and and trying to secure an agent was a battle in itself. So that's why I sort of ended up just being like, well, I've already got an audience here. I feel like I know enough people that I can ask questions for, um, you know, who have done it. And I did a lot of research. So when I delved in and just did it myself, um, and then, you know, when Penguin had reached out to me, I was I was just so shocked because <laughs> I kind of had thought that that was something that just wasn't going to happen for me. Um, so when it did, I almost like, I just didn't even believe it in the beginning. Like I was searching 
the contact name to see if they were a real person. Like, because I was like, surely this just doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> it happens to other people, not to me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Have you found that that process now that you're now that you're in the real kind of book world, if you want to call it that, uh, and, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way for what happens on on the uh, on the internet, but uh, is it is it changed anything that you do? Have you been able to keep exactly what you've been doing uh, the the same? I think it's been relatively um, like what I was doing before because the uh, especially meant to be was already out, so yep. basically they nothing was changed with that. And Die For You was actually due to release pretty much um, the month, almost down to the week of when they actually reached out to me. So all of that process had already kind of been done. It would be, you know, if I continue to, if they want to work with me again and I continue to go with them, I think that process will be very different to what I'm used to because everything I kind of handled myself. Um, But it's really nice feeling like I've got a lot of support. You know, like there's so many different contacts I have that I can be like, oh, this is happening, um, do you know what the go is here? And, like, you know, there's always someone to give me feedback or help, whereas when you self-publish, you do everything by yourself, so it, it can be very overwhelming and, and quite stressful, especially when you don't really know what you're doing and you're trying to learn <laughs> as you do it. Um, so, yeah, having a professional team is, is definitely um, an amazing help to the process of how everything works. Has it been liberating for you in terms of, uh, you know, uh, taking all the, the, I guess, kind of the drudgery and the, 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 the little jobs out of it and allowed you to concentrate on the, on the creative side more? Yeah, I definitely think that's um, probably the biggest thing, um, you know, because, you know, it's not just writing the book. You just have to do, you know, you have to do every single step, whereas with Penguin, um, you know, you've got a dedicated team that are professional at helping you and the amount of support that they give you compared to when you're self-published is just insane. Like, um, yeah, so it definitely allows you to just kind of take a step back and focus on the main part of your job, which is, you know, writing the book. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely um, amazing being traditionally published compared to self-published. Having been down the road that you've been down, what what advice would you give to, to aspiring writers who are coming up and, and sort of following a similar path to yours? Uh, what, what, what learnings did you take out of it that you'd pass on? I think the biggest thing that I learned was I thought writing the book was the hardest part and then I realised that was just step one. So that there's, you know, like there's marketing and networking and there's not even just to get your book out, you know, with the cover and the formatting and all that stuff. There's just so much more to it, um, you know, because I didn't even have a website or, or any sort of social media dedicated to my books or anything like that. So, you know, I had to do all of that very quickly before I brought the book out. So I think um, the whole process can be really overwhelming, but you just need to take a deep breath and do it step by step. Um, and, you know, remember you're doing it because you just absolutely love it. And, um, and you know, you just believe in yourself. And, you know, some days, some months your book might go really well and others it might not. And that's okay. That's just the whole part of the process. And you just need to just keep going and keep believing in yourself and keep working hard and, and it'll all work out in the end. Well, congratulations on uh, on your first two books and obviously many, many more to come. Lauren, thank you. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us on Authorised. Thank you so much for having me. Both of Lauren's books available, of course, now out through Penguin Publishing, uh, through Random House and Penguin. So uh, my thanks to her for her time on this podcast. Now you're going to meet a man who you know very, very well from uh, his radio and television. And, of course, the, the uh, uh, several books that he's written already. This one is his 19th. It's called Short Stories, and the man I'm talking about is well-known broadcaster and TV personality, Darren Hinch.
Darren Hinch, your 19th book, congratulations. So this time, you something a little different for you, short stories. How did this one come about? Because I know you'll have a reason why this book is in existence. Well, thanks, Kevin. Actually, I um, look, I, I started writing a novel about uh, a guy called Jonathan Hunter, who's an Australian foreign correspondent, whom I'd written about before in Death at Newport and Death in Paradise. And I thought, I'll do another, another Hunter book. And my novels run about 65,000 words, you know. And on this one, I got to 12,000 words and was having lunch with Dermot O'Brien, my former TV producer and friend. And I said, hey, mate, I'm stuck. I've got to 12,000 words and I've told the story. Mm. And you can't pad for 50,000 words. (laughs) And he suddenly said, well, why did you turn the book of short stories, which I'd never done and never thought of? And so I did, and uh, that became one of my main stories. And then I wrote some other ones, and uh, I enjoyed it immensely. In fact, to the extent that I'm now 30,000 words into a book of short stories for next year. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised by that at all because uh, your ability to tell a story is fantastic. But uh, yeah, you're right. You get, to, but mind you, big uh, Hawaii mystery is uh, is is a story with a bit of you know a few layers and a bit of grit about it. It's it's got something to it. It's got some meat on its bones. Well, I hope it did. Yeah, but it, I just I ran out of steam. I mean, uh, because I, 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 I've lived off and on in Hawaii many times, so I can use it in, in a book, and I have. And I made it intriguing. I mean, I moved in that book. I've moved Hunter and other people to Japan, to Hawaii, to New York. And uh, look, another journalist said to me, he said, hey, Hinch, some of these characters seem to be based on you. <laughs> and to be really honest, parts of them are. You know, I, I, I call my books faction rather than fiction because bits of them are based on my experiences. I mean, there's a story in there about um, a crooked politician, a crooked <laughs> senator, yes. and uh, <laughs> I use stuff that I know. That's why I call it factions. I use stuff I know from my life when I was a police roundsman and a politician uh, and all those things. So, and I've got a bit of experience to throw in there. Yeah. The uh, the crooked senator, you make a very, very uh, important point that it is a work of fiction, that it's not based – that's not based on you. Whereas I have to say, I think uh, Dale Winthrop uh, in the uh, in the big Hawaii mystery uh, has a fair bit of hinge about him. Yeah, well, Dale Winthrop was in, my, in the book is a TV journalist, a very successful current affairs man in New York who decides he's sick of that life and decides to disappear. And his experiences – in television, behind the scene, with his staff. There's a lot of hints in there. I'll grant you that. Yeah, there is. Um, And somebody said to me, well, I hope you talk to your lawyer about the crooked senator because (laughs) it's it's not based on anybody, but you'll read and say, oh, I know who that bit is. I know who that bit's about, you know. As, uh, as someone whose career has been based on, you know, reporting news and, uh, and being uh, someone with an opinion on, on current affairs, is writing uh, fiction or faction, as you, you call it, is that, a, is that a nice escape for you to be able to, to get into a world where, you know, you don't have to worry about all the things you have to worry about when you're a current affairs commentator? Uh, yeah, yeah, Kevin, I, I agree. I do. I, um, look, I've been writing since I was 10. So that means I'm, that I've been writing for 70 years. I'm nearly 80. And I just, I love it. I mean, it's my, 
it's what I do best and it's what I want to do. I, I adored being a senator. I was so honoured to be a, a federal senator for Victoria. But writing takes me away. I mean, I've got a new um, regimen at the moment. Um, I go for a walk most days and sometimes stop off, I'll admit, for a glass, one glass of wine. Then I come home and I now write from about 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. every day. Oh, wow. I've got 30,000 words written on a new book. Um, and I just, I love it. It just takes me away. I'm very disciplined. Then I watch the early news and I'm, oh, I, I sleep very early. I'm, I, I walk a lot um, in the mornings. Years, about three or four years ago, Kevin, I, um, I decided I should start doing some exercise. Now, I used to belong to the gang, and you probably remember this when we worked together, if a doctor said do some exercise, I'd just change doctors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was down in Torquay on holidays, started walking about one or two k's a day, and I formed a mythical club called the Goya Club. Right. Which now has members in America, in China, New Zealand, the Middle East, Hong Kong, and Goya is an acronym for get off your ass. Yes. <laughs> and I did. And I looked. I decided to lose some weight as well, didn't change my diet, didn't set a time for how much weight I should lose and when. But over three and a half years, I've done more than 200 weeks of walking now, i lost 17 kilos. Wow. And all I did, the only thing I changed in my life, didn't change my diet much, except for breakfast now, I have, this is a great secret for your health, a green smoothies. Right. Do you know what a green smoothie is? Well, they can be almost anything. What do you have in yours? I have bok choy, fresh spinach, zucchini, but heaps of um, blueberries and a whole banana. Oh, I love both those. Oh, blueberries and, and bananas. Believe it or not, you don't taste the greens. I mean, it comes out tasting like a fruit drink every morning and it fills you up so much that it cuts down the size. My lunch is... Hard because a green a greeny smoothie fills you up so much. Very good. The, the thing about you that I've always always been intrigued by is your love of words. You love Scrabble. You've written a book. I think one of your first books was about Scrabble. You've written a book on Wordle now, and I know you do Wordle as a as a, a daily thing to to keep you going. But where, where does the love of words and the love of language come from with you? I, I really don't know, but I must admit, yeah, I love Wordle. I. I had three greens at three today, and it still took me six. So I'm no expert. I'm no expert. And look, I wrote the first Scrabble book back in the 1970s. Yeah. I interviewed the inventor, Alfred Mosher Butts, uh, about Scrabble. And I played him and I beat him. Not hard because he was a gentleman player. He never challenged. He let his wife use a dictionary to look up sus words, right? Uh-huh. He wrote a thing for my first Scrabble book published in America which he says, the best book ever about my game. Well, I wrote that quote. It was actually the first book ever about his game. Um, years later, my, but later, years later, I wrote my second Scrabble book. I was honest and said, when he found out about, I had a chapter on cheating in my Scrabble book, he said, Mr. Hinch, you have destroyed my game because I turned it into a war. Right. Not a game, you know. I mean, I did tricks like, um, and I'll tell you and tell any other scrabblers, I don't play it anymore, but if you want to put a word in the bottom left-hand corner of a, of a scrabble game, 
point to the top right and say to somebody, hey, when did you put that word down? And it takes their attention to the other side of the board and then it leaves you to play the bottom left. <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, you and I go back a long way, Kevin. Yeah, um, we do. We do. I remember I was thinking when I knew I was going to come on, on your podcast that um, 9-11, right? Yeah. And we both had jobs at uh, 3AK in Melbourne. Yeah, we did. And uh, I was at home, and I lived almost next door to the studio. I got a call from Darren James, who worked on 3AW at the time, and he alerted me that there'd been an attack on the World Trade Center. And he called me because he and I, when we both at 3AW, had had breakfast on the 107th floor of that building. Yeah. And so I thought, that can't be true. That's, I mean, there must be half the population of Geelong work in that building. So anyway, I put, threw on some tracksuit, a tracksuit, raced to, to 3AK, worked through the night. I think even threw you guys off air next morning. Yeah, you did. Yep. <laughs> and I think I was on air about 15 hours straight. Uh, I can't remember how, how how many hours you're on straight, but you're on for a very, very, very long time. And did I have to say, a bloody exceptional job of, of covering that. Well, very kind. But the thing was, I knew New York. Yes. I knew the I knew the building. I I dined in the building. I knew where that little church was next door, which they turned into a medical centre. Yep. So I could just I could you know, answer any question from anybody, and I just. It's probably one of the greatest broadcasts I've ever done. Have no doubt about that. I must admit I was in total awe. I was completely out of my depth uh, and I, I did the smartest thing I've ever done. I shut up and let you talk and, 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 watched, and, and watched and helped where I could. Uh, but, uh, no, when the master is in the, in the house as you were for that, uh, for that period of time, it was, uh, it was quite awesome to watch you in action, to tell you the honest truth. Well, that's very kind. Yeah, well... That part of my life is gone, of course. Um, look, in my career in radio, I loved it immensely. I also, I, I said before, I cherished my time as a senator. The, the tribe spoke and got voted out. And a part of me died that day um, because only about 700 people have ever been elected senator in America in Australia. And that's about the same number of war in the baggy green. So it's a huge, a huge honour. Uh, and one that you one that you took on uh, with both barrels, as you do with everything you do, and and as you've done with the nineteen books that you've now written, with this latest one, short stories being the uh, the the nineteenth and the twentieth already on the way. Jeez, you bloody! I've written thirty thousand words of next year's book. Look, short stories. As I said I never dreamed I'd do it, but it's fantastic because people increasingly are listening to podcasts and reading short stories. Yep. Um, their dedication to long-term things it, it has changed over the years. I mean, people buy books of short stories at airports to read on a plane. They listen to podcasts. I've got uh, an, a, a personal assistant who listens to podcasts every day, every night when she goes to bed. And that, that's the way of the world. I mean, people are now getting their news more from um, social media than they are from mass media. Yep. It's you know, people. And it's like the, the drinking educational soup. Yes, yes. And this is, I own this one of those great little books that you can pick up and uh, read one of the stories and then go back to the beach or go back to the, uh, you know, a holiday, a holiday reading book it's perfect for as well. 
But we'll come on. I'll run up to your friend of mine, picked it up, and I said, did you start at the beginning? He said, no, I just flicked through and picked what I liked. Yes. <laughs> and I guess that's the way people work these days. Yeah, there's eight, story, eight stories in this book and you can go and have a look at the Crooked Senator first and then you can go back and uh, pick out the uh, the Way With Words one at the end or you can, whatever you want to do. So, and this is one of my, my favourites and this is based on a true story out of Melbourne was Warren Scott. Yep. Now, Warren Scott didn't exist. He's a man who never was. But, but four men I know, not me, uh, decided because they were cheating on their wives, they needed a friend they could trust. One said to his mate, hey, you can't keep saying you were with me last night because I was at home with my wife and kids. So they said, well, let's invent a friend. So they invented Warren Scott. Oh. And uh, they all went out with Warren Scott. And finally, their wives kept saying, why can't we meet Warren Scott? And they decided to kill him off. And I won't tell you how or why, but this is true. These four adulterers, when he died, quote, put an ad in the Herald, in memoriam in the Herald Sun that <laughs> said, Vale Warren Scott, everybody needs a friend like Warren. <laughs> and, and Warren never existed. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> True fabulous. story. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I move in my book, I move moving to Hollywood and, and LA, but. He actually existed in Melbourne or didn't exist in Melbourne. As always, Darren, you've done a great job with this book. Good luck with the uh, the next one, the 20th book, and uh, good luck with your walking and uh, and, your, and your smoothies in the morning, mate. It's always great to catch uh-huh. up with you. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Thanks good for talk. chat. Bye-bye. Well, thanks to Darren, an old workmate of mine, and uh, good luck with uh, his new book, Short Stories, and obviously already working on the uh, on the second volume of that, as you can tell. Also, thanks to Lauren Jackson, who joined us on this podcast. That is Authorised. Coming soon on Authorised, we have some terrific authors uh, that I've spoken to that I'll be sharing with you, including Matt Preston talking about his new book, his memoir. Rod Willis has written a book about his days as manager of Cold Chisel. Uh, Ken Peace has done a terrific bio on uh, David Warner, the cricketer. Uh, Brett Mason's done one on uh, JFK. An amazing story about uh, saving JFK's life, which was done by an Australian. Uh, Wendy Holden has a book on Princess Di, and uh, Steve Marshall's also done a terrifically entertaining book that we'll talk to him about too. So some great authors on the way. This is Authorised the Podcast. And don't forget where you found this particular episode of Authorised. You can find plenty more uh, from some of our back catalogue and some beauties, as I mentioned, coming on the way with thanks to our very good friends at CSCG. That's uh, cscg.com.au. Or give them a call and uh, get your finances sorted out and make sure that you're heading in the right direction for 2024 on 99748333. Till next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Read a book. It'll be fun. It'll be fun.